I want to conclude now um, uh, this note um, by saying our next conversation is going to be faith of our leaders. And I do wish that you understand that in South Africa, when I was having a conversation, we had a bit of a heated conversation with my producer about this um, uh, next conversation. And the point she made is that um, um, the LGBTI community has its leaders. The African community has got its leaders. The, uh, 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 well, all other communities have got their leaders. And we are talking to all leaders in South Africa. And uh, when we're saying South Africa, any and everyone who is within the borders and the boundaries of the Republic of uh, South Africa. Joining us now is our next guest for Faith of Our Leaders. And this is a leader of Orania. Mr. Karel Bushoff, I'm hoping I'm reading that correctly, Karel Bushoff Jr., head of the Freedom Foundation, which is the think tank of Orania. Uh, good evening to you, Mr. Bushoff, and th thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Uh, good evening, Naye, and uh, thank you very much for such an inclusive approach as you have described, uh, because we are a very um, diverse uh, society. And uh, we believe there is place for everybody, and we take up our place with pride as well. Yeah. Let, let's, let, let's talk first and foremost about um, your faith. What faith do you come from? Do you have a faith? Do you believe in a deity? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, personally, as well as in terms of, of my family and my community, uh, we are uh, of religious um, a character <clears throat> we have grown up in this way and um, uh, we are christian of faith and especially uh, protestant christians that is our history and that is what we uh, keep up till, uh, till this time okay so when you're saying christian you mean your text of choice is the bible Yes, definitely. Um, okay. Uh, in fact, uh, in, in our uh, community, one grow up with the Bible. Uh, first, you know, uh, starting with some of those um, uh, interesting stories that, that make you think about God and uh, the universe and, and all those big things that uh, a little human being needs to know to uh, find his or her place in, in the uh, order of things. Um, and as Protestants, we concentrate on the text. So all the more, as you could read, as you could uh, participate, it becomes a matter of knowing the text, knowing the um, uh, thinking around it, uh, the history, etc. So we are quite text-bound uh, in our um, uh, activities as a religious community. Okay. Oh, you're saying you're a religious community. I should qualify it. Um, we are a community that is religious of character, but we are not a, a religious community in the sense of that it is the only thing around which we um, uh, we concentrate. Uh, we are a uh, cultural, linguistic community, ethnic community, if you uh, would like to call that, uh, quite a traditional community, as there are hundreds of traditional communities in South Africa, yeah. but we are Christian of, of faith. Our faith is Christian, Protestant Christian. Yeah. So you're, 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 you're qualifying yourself as an ethnic and a linguistic community. That is part of it. We believe that identity is, is a, um, a multi-layered thing. 
uh, a person's identity is not only your language, it's not only your faith, it's not only your culture or yeah. your history. Yeah. It is all these things. It, yeah. It's all the things that, that makes it uh, up. Um, but uh, that uh, once faith is fundamental, that all those other things, your culture and your traditions, are viewed through the lens of your faith. Yeah. That is our view. Okay. But you, you'll appreciate that our focus um, for our interview will be religion. Is that okay, Mr. Bushel? Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very uh, um, happy to do that because okay. it's such an important part of yeah. our community. Okay, let's, let's talk about that. Um, the founding of the idea of Orania, um, where is it founded in your faith, in your scriptures? Um, how, how, how did you arrive at the idea from a faith perspective? Or does your faith support the idea of Orania? Um, yes, uh, it does. Um, but then one needs to have a clear picture of, of what Orania really means. And I, I, I say that because I know there's very many preconceptions and ideas about Urania, um, especially maybe amongst uh, black South Africans who do not know it or hasn't been here or, or um, uh, hear people talk about it in a politicized context. Um, I would start uh, by referring to my father, who was the founder of Urania, um, and of the idea. He propagated the idea of an Afrikaner homeland, to call it that, since the 1970s and 80s. And in the end, in the 1990s, I started out with Werania. Then I was a grown-up man, and I could participate in as, uh, it as well. But the point is that my father was a missionary um, since the 1950s. Uh, he worked amongst the uh, Sepedi people um, in the Sekororo area, where he established a missionary station um, then he was on the forefront of the um, uh, churches, uh, our churches movement um, to Soweto. He started a missionary um, uh, uh, initiative for the um, Dutch Reformed Church in Soweto, where he worked for uh, uh, quite a number of years before he became a professor of theology, and especially missiology. So there's no question at all of, of an call it anti-black or racist basis uh, to Urania. The way he would explain it, um, if he were around still today, uh, he died some 10 years ago, um, would have been to say that after a life of service to different other communities of South Africa, especially to their youth, he came very much under the impression that a new uh, kind of, of um, context, the new circumstances of South Africa post-94 would need uh, um, a special attention for the place and position that his own people, the Afrikaner people, will take up in this new dispensation. And that is why um, we established Urania, so that there is a place where we are at home, where we could uh, um, practice our culture uh, and our religion and um, see to our language in such a way that we could uh, still participate in a broader society without fearing that we will lose what is dear to us. Your, your, your um, origins are identified as Afrikaner 
Calvinism. Is that correct? Um, yes, that is correct. That's, uh, uh, of course, also not a, um, a, a, what do you call it? It's, it's, it's not an undynamic thing. Um, a culture and religion and uh, something even uh, like Calvinism um, is dynamic. It's, it's a, a, a sort of way of thinking dating back to the uh, 1500s, 1600s. It developed over the centuries to where we are today. So being a Calvinist in, in uh, 1620 or in 1820 or in 19 or in 2020 it's, it's not exactly the same thing, but it is the broad stream. That is the, the vocabulary and the uh, uh, line of thinking from which we came from. I'm, I'm reading from um, a, a document I'm hoping you're aware of by is it Yela de Bozova from the Institute of Oriental Studies, Slovak Academy of Sciences in Clemenzova and... Uh, Bratislava in Slovakia. And this document is titled Calvinism in the Context of the Afrikaner Nationalist Ideology. Are you aware of that document, sir? I'm, I'm not. I'm trying to make a, a note quickly because um, I'm reading much of, of that kind of thing, but I, I don't have the reference as such. But it seems interesting to me. Uh, I, I would be interested because uh, obviously during the 20th century, um, especially since, uh, say, the 1930s, the matter of Afrikaner nationalism and the combination of uh, nationalism and Calvinism yeah. uh, uh, was, was uh, quite, a, uh, quite an issue. Um, it became all the more problematic uh, closer to the end of the century, um, and there has been uh, um, energetic uh, debates regarding that and redefinition taking place in terms of that uh, by the turn of the of the 20th century, I want you. To, I want you to listen to this, and I'm quoting this verbatim. It's right there, at the very beginning. You cannot yes. miss it. It reads, and I quote: "Calvinism was a part of the mythic history of Afrikaners. However, it was only a specific interpretation of history that made it a part of the ideology of the Afrikaner nationalists." Calvinism came to South Africa with the first Dutch settlers. There is no historical evidence that indicates that the first settlers were deeply religious, but they were worshippers in the Netherlands, Habermode Kerk, the Dutch Reformed Church, as you've just said right now, which was the only church permitted in the region until 1778. After almost 200 years, Afrikaner nationalism developed and connected itself with Calvinism. This happened due to the theoretical and ideological approach of S.J. de Toy and a man referred to as its creator, Paul Kruger, full stop, close quote. Is this historically mm. correct, sir? Um, yeah, broadly broadly speaking, I think it's, it's uh, historically correct. I think it's correct to say that um, uh, if you refer back to 1652 when Jan van Riebeek came to... Uh, came to the Cape of Good Hope, um, it was not an overly religious group of people that came. Um, there has been done some work from uh, the Netherlands and uh, from, from uh, Scotland and England um, looking after the religion of, of uh, the settlers uh, during the first uh, decades of, of the settlement, um, which, which only take form over time. 
and the uh, sort of peepest uh, strain that comes with it um, dates back to the to the 19th century, um, especially the the Scottish uh, preachers that that came to South Africa. Um, but but broadly speaking, yes, uh, I think that's that's uh, sort of a correct um, description. Yeah. Although it stops uh, early in the 20th century, it's SJ the two A was uh, before 1950 uh, actively. Uh, involved uh, very much have happened during the last seventy years as well. Yeah, if 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 you if you and I agree that it, this this document is correct, and um, then we can agree that the community that we're talking about is is a pseudo community because it does not espouse the ideas of the scriptures. Calvinism, by definition, does not support what is happening in Orania. And Orania does not really represent true Calvinism because they're not the chosen people. There is no evidence whatsoever that Afrikaners can ever be referred to as the chosen people. Um, you know, I grew up uh, in, in this context of what was called Christian nationalism, yeah. which is exactly the, the formulation of Calvinists regarding uh, uh, nationalism, Afrikaner nationalism. And personally, I did not grow up with the concept of being a chosen people yeah. over against other unchosen people. Yeah. In fact, the, the, the mere fact that my father was a missionary um, and that uh, many of my family members were involved in, in uh, missionary activities and uh, had no overly racist attitude uh, on, on any of these questions bespeaks the idea um, that we view ourselves as a chosen people in the place of Israel, or exactly as Israel, um, and that we are a sort of new Israel. And um, that is not part of, of um, our Calvinism, and it's not part of what we profess today. Yeah, but w what, we are, what I'm suggesting here is the origins of Afrikaner Calvinism and the nationalism that developed couched in that brand of Christianity is a false one. That, 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 that history that brings out those ideas of Calvinism in Afrikanerdom is a false history. It was, it was a created false history that should not be um, embraced today. Would that not be correct? I think um, I, would, I would be um, uh, comfortable to say that uh, any history and our history needs to be approached in a critical way. Um, I'm, I'm not in a position to make a blanket statement, uh, especially not one uh, that sort of wipes my own history from the table um, as if it uh, doesn't have any legitimacy uh, for a, a broad statement being made about it. Um, but that one should uh, go about history uh, and, and religious history as well, in a critical way, um, is correct, because uh, I do believe that God's plan in the world unfolds as, as time uh, runs on, and that we could and hopefully do reach a better understanding over time. Um, I do, do think that, that um, we uh, understand some of the questions uh, post the uh, bloody wars of the 1500s regarding the Reformation yeah. uh, better at this time and, and need not uh, repeat any of that.
And in our own history, I do believe that there are things that we understand better, um, especially regarding the question of relations between peoples and races and uh, nations in, in South Africa and in the world, um, so that, uh, that the, the uh, uh, faults of the, of the past need not be repeated. Indeed, um, indeed. But, but uh, I, I don't think one could close the book of history uh, and just say um, uh, some people are, are excluded and should rather be forgotten or their history should rather be forgotten. Not, not necessarily that there, um, uh, Mr. Bushoff. That, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to get an understanding of uh, the ideology, the Christian perspective that has been promulgated. Remember, it is this very same perspective that led uh, the then people, and I'm, I'm very happy that you're distinguishing between the present people and the people then. Um, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Then they used this brand of Christianity, this Afrikaner Calvinism, to create what we now know to be a discriminatory theology that separated others as the chosen and others as not chosen. That was never in Scripture, and that was never supposed to be. And that part of history needs to be put into perspective that it w- they used the Christianity, and yet Christianity has nothing to do with what they did. Would that not be correct? I, I would say that the the perspective... Let me first say that, that in a certain sense, the past is always a... a an unknown land. One, one uh, cannot even visit the past. So uh, it's not easy to understand. Um, and and uh, in that sense, I would, uh, I would say um, uh, the Afrikaners of the past 200 or so years were confronted, or even longer, were confronted um, with the diversity of uh, God's creation, also in terms of... of uh, the diversity of people, and they tried to make sense of it. I don't think they they did it very well all the time. I don't think that they reached an optimal uh, point um, uh, during the past, say, uh, two centuries of, of trying to to create, especially from a from a, a political point of view. Um, it, it was not a successful handling of it, but um, the. The matter of diversity has not uh, uh, um, it has not vanished. Yeah. It's still with us. We still have to um, uh, work out how the diversity of the creation, the diversity of cultures and languages, um, should uh, bring, uh, be brought in a in a system where cooperation um, and love and uh, unity and all those things that we profess from our Christian point of view could be actualized um, in, a, in a way that doesn't um, annihilate it, but uh, give expression to it, give space to it. Can we, can we perhaps say the idea that the great trek of the Afrikaners is akin to the exodus of the Israelites is a false notion, and that too should be dispelled. There was, the great trek is not the exodus, and the Afrikaners were not the chosen people. Yes, I, I think we could dispel with that quite easily, yeah. in spite of the fact that they were people um, of that mind. It was never the, the total um, 
uh, line of thinking. It was never um, all that was thought amongst uh, even the flat trackers um, at that time. We could dispel with that, and we should at the same time remember that when people, um, especially in a traditionalist context, um, need to and try to make sense of what they are doing and what they are experiencing, um, it's not a surprise that they would find traces of similarities in the scriptures that they were reading every day. Yeah. So I'm not saying that it's uh, that they were correct, theologically correct, yeah. in, in um, uh, experiencing something of the same. Yeah. But I do understand that under the circumstances that could could take place. And also, the idea that these people then who thought of themselves as uh, the chosen Israel of Africa who have been having this great trek they believed to be an exodus then found a promised land in Africa. That too is a false notion that should never be accepted. It was a false notion then. It still is now. There was no land. There was no promised land promised to them. And that was not biblical. Um, I, I agree with you. And I, I still um, I am of the opinion that uh, insofar as that was the attitude, it was a marginal attitude. Uh, I don't think that was a mainstream of thinking, uh, even amongst the food trackers. But there were such thinking. It has been documented, and it can only be um, uh, rejected. I'm quite uh, uh, um, frank to say it, it, it could easily be rejected, but it was not even at that time the mainstream of thinking amongst Afrikaners. Well, this author seems to be suggesting it was, and I'm going to read it verbatim what this author is saying, and you can dispute what the author is saying, but I'm offering you the opportunity to rebut it or to support it. And I'm quoting here, it reads, The Afrikaners' interpretations take into account various political, religious, and mythical factors. However, the factors or elements of the great trek can also be divided into five main points. One, shutting down the migration after the 1780s. There was still some land left on the fringes of the territory, and after the wars with the Cossas in the 19th century, there were some new free lands. This was enforced by landless of whites in the 30s of the 19th century. Therefore, the Great Trek was just a cause of the early development of the colony's society. Two, law forbidding migration north of the Orange River. It is more than clear that the abandonment of migration was one of the causes or elements which occurred in the context of the Great Trek. Three, disobedience of lawful authority. It came from Calvinistic teaching about a sin. It is a sin to rebel against God and government as a surrogate of uh, God. However, the teaching allows for an exception. When the government is evil, then disobedience and rebellion is justified. That meant that British governance in South Africa was understood as evil. It was compared to the rule of the pharaohs. Therefore, they could rebel against it. Five, nationalistic piety and sacrifice. F. von Jarsfeld was from the latter period of Afrikaner nationalists who argued that Boers, Trek Boers, or Fortrekkers had only a limited sense of nationality 
national identity. He also further said that the real sense of identity emerged in the 70s of the 19th century after the First Boer War, and this only in Transvaal. He concludes that a sense of national identity spread amongst all Africaners just after that Second Boer War. And I'm going to leave it right there. So according to this writer, that was the main and prevailing point about Afrikaners and the great trek. They thought of themselves as the chosen people. They thought that they were in an exodus during that great trek. And Africa was their land, particularly the land around the Orange River, which um, uh, took on the form of Orania right now. And right now we're talking about a people, 97% of the population of, of, of Orania, of Afrikaner Calvinist descent. Is that not correct? Um, it's broadly correct, yeah. yeah it's, as I say, not exactly the same kind of Calvinism. and It's not the same kind of piety that, that one uh, used to know uh, some time ago. Um, I broadly uh, tend to um, uh, accept the lines of argument from your author. I would uh, very much be interested to, to really go into the whole article because uh, that's a kind of well-researched thing that could only be contextualized with... Um, uh, evenly well uh, researched, um, so it's, it's, it's not possible to to um, really engage in the depth of such a uh, reference uh, yeah. just on on hearing it. Um, but but I do not disagree fundamentally with it. Um, I would relativize some of the points. The matter of of nationalism only really taking form during the 20th century amongst Afrikaners is also correct. Yeah. Um, there was not that much of a, a nationalist identity. Um, especially now during the, the uh, uh, 18th century. It took form in the 19th century, exactly as it was uh, described. Um, and uh, 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 my point would just be that doesn't take away the fact that it did happen and that there was a kind of historical unfolding that, that had it happened. And it was not a one-on-one -on -one development of a chosen people idea yeah. which became nationalism. That, that's, I'm not of that mind. Okay. Um, I think there's a, there's a broader base for the formulation of nationalism during the 20th century. Um, I think it, it has had its heyday, um, and that insofar as it will uh, um, re, uh, what do you say, resurface as a, as a factor in the Southern African context, um, it will be uh, fundamentally... Um, uh, a criticized and reformulated form of nationalism that would enter the discourse again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you not agree then, Mr. Boshoff, that Afrikanerdom, as founded by uh, Dutoy in 1875, and I'm talking about now the first Afrikaner movement alleged to have been founded by Dutoy, is is founded on false principles and it has never been rebutted by the African community. Today, we still are observing uh, Afrikanerdom that was predicated on false biblical principles and still continues along those false biblical principles. Um, I, I would not agree with, with uh, that line of thinking or okay. with uh, such a statement. Um, I would uh, argue... Um, that there were uh, different ways of, of looking at it. Even uh, uh, the Toy at times um, represented uh, 
minority amongst Afrikaners. Um, even at this time, there has been or there are Afrikaners rejecting exactly along the lines that you sketch, rejecting Afrikaner nationalism or anything that has to do with their own identity. There are those who um, tend to uh, uh, try and continue it uncritically, and there are those who want to engage with their own history on a critical basis. Let me, uh, I let... personally am part of the third uh, group that engaged critically, yeah. and I think that is the group that will take this identity into the future. Let me read to you again what, what I am um, I'm talking about, then you can engage with it. It reads, and I quote, Dutoy in 1875 founded the first Afrikaner movement. In 1880, the first Afrikaner political organization, Afrikaner Bond, the first Afrikaner newspaper, the Afrikaanse Patriot, Patriot, and he was also its editor. In 1877, he wrote a work called De Geschiedenis, I'm hoping I'm reading that correctly, Van Ons Land in the Taal van Ons Volk, by which yeah. he strengthened Afrikaner consciousness of South African history. De Toy wanted to incorporate into the program of the Afrikaner Bond the ideology of the neo-Calvinistic movement, which was spreading in the Netherlands under the influence of the theologian and statesman Abram Kuyper. Full stop, that's close right. quote. Um, that, that, that's, uh, that's a good um, uh, summary. That's a good summary of the Toy's work. Uh, and it was fundamental. But you did. You, you just disputed it, it, Mr. Bischoff. You said you wouldn't agree with that, and yet that's what was historically <laughs> documented about your founder. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't agree with, with uh, what I uh, perceive as a one-sided rejection of it, as if um, it's a, a sort of one-dimensional ideological point uh, from which the two uh, started off. Um, I'm not a, 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 a direct uh, descendant or supporter of the Tway, um, but he was he was one of the first uh, Afrikaner uh, leaders who formulated um, themselves. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, uh, with, within what you described now, um, it's it's not difficult for me to associate with that history and say that was the building blocks. Those were the building blocks of that time, uh, of 150 years ago. Um, and we have built on that, um, and not without a, a certain amount of pride for that history. Um, not because it's without its, its, its uh, mistakes, but because it was a solid ground uh, to, to uh, form an identity on. Um, and we still stand with that broad concept of identity. We do not reject the concept of Afrikaner uh, just because there has been some uh, ideological or religious uh, dogmatic mistakes made in the past. Well, those mistakes still prevail, Mr. Bushoff. Right now, like I said, <coughs> that exclusivist and exceptionalist thinking still pervades the very founding of Orania. As we speak today, we have 97% people who are members of the population of Orania being only of Afrikaner uh, descent. That's, that's again, an, an, an unscriptural, an unbiblical, and a very false Calvinistic way of thinking.
Um, maybe you could uh, enlighten me why um, it would be uh, unbiblical uh, for the community to consist of uh, of Afrikaans-speaking people. Simply, simply um, put, um, there the, the book of Acts, there, uh, Mr. Bush, of the book of Acts, which is supposed to be the founding of Christianity, where you were first called Christians, talks about all people from all walks of life were descended upon Jerusalem in the upper room when the 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 the, 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 yeah. the rain fell. So that spirit, when the spirit fell, there were all people from all walks of life. It was not just one ethnic group. Paul yes. was an apostle yes. to the world, to the Gentiles, not to the chosen people. Surely this whole idea, the very Jesus said, go to the first the Israelites first and then to the world. But why would we have yes. just one people in Orania? That's an unbiblical uh, formation, isn't it? Um. There's a, there's a basic misunderstanding uh, to, to what you describe because all of, of, of what you relate in terms of uh, the book of Acts, uh, the work of Paul, uh, Jesus' uh, message itself, uh, I fully agree with. Um, I, I just uh, do not understand um, why there could be a, a, a group of, of Sichuana-speaking li- living in... in uh, because there's um, no biblical basis for it, Mr. Marshall. <laughs> and all over the world, uh, people live in, in communities where they understand each other. That's a secular understanding, not a biblical understanding. Um, maybe we, we, we have a fundamental difference uh, on this, but, but uh, our understanding of um, the uh, scripture in this sense is that it does not reject let me do this. Let me do cultural this, Mr. Bush. It Let does not reject cultural groups or languages. Um, it, it sanctifies it. Mr. Bush, let, let, me, let me do this. Let me do this. I, I do want you to have your full say on this matter because we're running out of time. We're out of time, actually. Can I invite you next week so that we can talk about this? Uh, yes, I would. I would very much like to. All right, we'll do that, Joey. We're going to have this conversation on our first hour. We'll we'll, we'll thresh it out. My time is over. Thank you very much, Mr. Bushoff. It's already two minutes. Please forgive me, madam, for taking your time. That's how we conclude our forum for today. From me and Ayodu Pondwana and the team, have a wonderful evening and Godspeed.